0: Back in about March of 2003, I had uh, wandered into this restaurant and met a group of bikers. I've told you this story before, and before I left that restaurant that evening, I had recommitted my life to Christ after years of wandering. Started to go back every week to meet with that same group of guys, and I don't know, three, four weeks in, they really started to push me, Dan, you need to start going to a church. I'm like, all right, well, where do all of you guys go? They said, we go to this church. It's called Faith Baptist Church. It's on Airport Road in Waterford. Would you come and sit with us in a service? So I get my wife, Kelly, and our two little girls one Sunday, and we we show up to Faith Baptist Church in Waterford, Michigan. The guys had said, you're going to love our pastor. He's like a man's man. He's like, he's you'll, you'll relate to him. You'll like him. And, and I get there, and listened to the sermon, I thought, I think I want to come back. Week after week after week, we continue to come back. Somewhere in there, I get to lead my wife, Kelly, to Christ. My daughter's baptized at this church. This ministry has meant so much to me over the years. And probably there's no one or very few people that would even come close to being as impactful on my own ministry and development as a preacher than the pastor of that church matter of fact my oldest son Elijah his middle name James named after the pastor of that church and then all these years later I hire a worship pastor who happens to have the same last name because it's well it's his son and so today I want to introduce to you uh, Jim Combs Jim would you come on up you can go ahead and clap. That'd be a little. I, I want to pray real quick for you before I get started. God, I just thank you for Jim. God, he's my brother. In a lot of ways, he's mentored me even without knowing it. God, I just thank you for him. I thank you for his leadership. I thank you for the gifts that you'd given him. God, I just pray that your spirit today will speak in and through Jim to all of us, and as a result, we'll all take a step closer to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, please go with me to Genesis chapter number 45, Genesis chapter number 45. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. One Sunday, just before Christmas, the church was gathered and it was full of people. A young family showed up because man you go to church on Christmas right and they came in made their way down the center aisle a family not too used to um, church every week if you know what I mean a little boy his older sister a mom and dad they sat down towards the middle back place just filled up to the brim and um, the service began people stood sang just as we did here Christmas songs it was a beautiful beautiful morning The pastor got up to speak, and as he began to speak, um, he seemed to go a little longer than he probably should have, and he seemed a little more boring that day than normal. (laughs) And as he's speaking, the little boy was warned by mom and dad when they got there, now, we know you are all boy, kid, but you're going to sit still, and you're going to be quiet because it's what we do in church. He said, yes, mommy, I'm going to give it my best, and I'm going to do it, well, About two-thirds way through the sermon, the little boy began to struggle a little bit. He reached over, and he began to talk to his sister. Mom leaned down and just gave him this. Now, none of you have ever got that from Mom before, have you? (laughs) Leaned over and gave him one of these, which meant, one more time, be quiet. And he kind of buckled down and got serious and thought, Man, i got to get it together here. Just can't cause... So he sat a little, and the pastor continued on and continued on. And he just lost focus. I, I mean, just simply lost focus. And he reached over, and for some crazy reason, he pinched his sister. <laughs> she let loose with an owl oh! right in the middle of church. You know what happens then. Every single person in there turns and looks and sees the family that has now disrupted the entire Christmas service. Dad reaches over, grabs his little boy, puts him over his shoulder, and escorts him, you know, out the back. You know, everybody's watching. I guess Dad and son, we're going to go have a little um... Fellowship, we'll call it, okay. And as they're making their way out, the little boy was over top of dad's shoulder, and he was looking at everybody. And you know, everybody's looking at him. And the uh, little boy thought, man, this is a great opportunity. He let loose, "Pray for me!" And I would say that I do pray for you as a church on a daily basis, asking God to bless your pastor, the staff, and this amazing ministry. Once in a while, you'll see my wife and I show up to see our grandbabies, and uh, we enjoy being here very much with you. We will be blessed by your prayers this morning as we try our best to step into your life and share a few truths that might be an encouragement and a help to you in your journey with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 45, and I'm going to read a few verses to you if it's all right, and then we'll try to do our best to apply them and step in your life a little bit. I hope to be an encouragement to you. In Genesis chapter 45, beginning in verse... I just didn't wear these, stand when in those days. You know what I mean? But uh, you know what happens. Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. The Bible says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, making everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, so that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of the Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, "'I am Joseph. Is my father still alive?' But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, "'Come near to me, please.' And they came near, and he said, "'I am your brother. I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, and now now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me there. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years,' And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph. God has made me Lord of all Egypt, come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so so that you and your household, and all that you have, do not come into poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. God, I ask you to bless in an amazing way this morning. God, in spite of me, I pray, God, you would help that man that sits out there today who needs you in a very real way. I pray for that lady, God, who needs encouragement today, that somehow, God, you would be what only you can be, God, for the family, for those marriages, for the children, young people. May, God, you do a work in this place. We pray and beg of that in Jesus' amazing name, amen. This morning, I would like to bring you a message entitled, Liminal Space. Liminal space. You say, Jim, what in the word, world is liminal space? Well, to an architect, liminal space is a hallway. It is something that links two rooms. To an engineer, liminal space is a bridge, a tunnel. Liminal space is, simply means uh, something between. Sometimes for those of us in this spiritual world in which we live in as believers... There's what I call liminal space. Those moments between, the ones that we wonder, how did we get here? Why did this happen to me? For Peter, one day he's walking with the Savior, eating with him, talking with him. A few days later, he has risen from the dead. But it's those moments between that he wept bitterly. Liminal space. For Jonah, There was a moment when God literally spoke to him as a prophet. Literally speaking into his life. A few days later, he is preaching the greatest city revival ever held in the history of humanity. But what about three days in the belly of a fish? Liminal space. Joseph spent 13 years in liminal space. 13 years. You see, he was sold... As a slave by his brothers he became a servant and then an inmate 13 years I mean wait a minute you think he planned that you think when he was in grade school the teacher went around one day and said what do you want to be when you grow up and he said I, I want to be a servant a slave you think when he graduated from high school Walked across the platform, and they asked him what he wanted to be when he'd grow up, and he said, oh, I just, I want to go to prison for 13 years. But here was a a young boy who had the heart of his father, a family. Everything seemed to be going really good. Wait a minute here. And then all of a sudden, everything came unraveled. Everything. Everything he thought was, wasn't. His brothers grab him one day. Are you kidding me? He's listening to them have a conversation about whether they're going to kill him or sell him. I would call that brokenness. Anybody else? I would call that not anything he thought could ever happen. Finally, they sell him to some slave traders who began to take him you know, into slavery. I don't think you and I can even comprehend what his life must have been. He was only 17 years old when it took place. 17 years of age, and now he's being led as a slave, treated worse than an animal. You see, animals were valued because they brought value. Slaves, he was a nobody, a nothing. He's led to Egypt and brought to a slave market. Someone is there representing one of the dignitaries of the culture by the name of Potiphar. What does Potiphar do? Potiphar's, you know, representative evidently buys him at auction. Saw he must have been a healthy young man. He grew up, you know, in a good home. Thought this would be good for our household. They purchase him. He goes to Potiphar's house. All Even the other slaves must have thought, this is a good gig, man. You got it pretty nice. Until Potiphar's wife lies about him. and Then he ends up in prison. In prison. You know, most, um, Rabbis and Jewish theology, uh, those that do a lot of um, Israeli history will tell you that Potiphar was probably the head of the prison that ran, that he ran the prison that held um, a political prisoners that were, uh, uh, you know, opposition to Pharaoh. And so there was no trial for Joseph. There was, get him out of here. There was no kind treatment. There were no civil rights. There was no, you know, prisoner handbook. There was, we're going to take you to a place unlike any one of us could even describe. They took him to prison for something he didn't do. Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Wow. Until Genesis chapter 45 unfolds itself. Wait a minute. How do you get from a family where you're loved by your daddy? Where your daddy has a special coat made for you because you're so special to him. Where your brothers are there and you you have holidays and friends and family and all the wonderful things that family brings. And then it all comes apart. I like to call that liminal space. It's part of our spiritual journey and we find ourselves in places that we wonder how we got there. Sometimes we do it to ourselves, sometimes we don't. There are names for those liminal spaces that bring us to a place of brokenness and hurt, pain. Sometimes it's called divorce, other times it's called bankruptcy. Sometimes it's decisions that we've made that we will have to live with and the repercussions we somehow have to deal with. Sometimes it's a decision that our children make that rip us to the core. And we question our very parental abilities. Sometimes it's just emotional upheavals or battles inside. Sometimes it's fear. But they come in all shapes and sizes. For Joseph 13 years. 13 years of a journey that he Must have wondered a million times. How'd I get here? How'd I get here? Well, this morning for a few minutes, I would like to help you through that journey by sharing just a few thoughts and maybe a personal story, if God allows. I will share with you what I believe to be are the three elements that will get you through. Yeah, that will get you through. One of those is the hand of God one of those how many of y'all believe the hand of God is real come on you believe the hand of God is real boy I'll tell you something if you don't leave here with anything I say today I pray you walk out of this place knowing how real God is because he is real Joseph's brothers show up he goes to see them brings them in and boy it's a moment you can imagine his brothers are like oh man we are in deep trouble Stick a fork in us, we are almost done. This is not a good day. But Joseph makes a statement to me that just echoes in my heart and soul in a big way. Look at verse number 8. In verse number 8, in just the first portion, he looks at his brothers and he says this, It was not you who sent me here. It was God. It wasn't you who did this to me. It was God's plan. It was God's hand. It was God doing what God does so big and so amazing. It was God. Listen, no matter what you're in the middle of, can I remind you of something? God is still God. God is still real. God is still big. And God is still good. You believe that, church? Many years ago, a pastor in Chicago, you may have heard of him, his name is Dale Moody, He'd exploded onto the scenes and he'd become the prominent preacher in America. Moody Church was formed and man, it began to explode. The impact became nationwide. All of a sudden, he began to impact people they never dreamed of. Well, Dio Moody heard about a young man over in Scotland by the name of John Harper. John Harper was a young preacher who seemed to be able to be used by God in a powerful way. Man, he would just light up an auditorium. He would speak and people would just come to know Jesus in amazing ways. So he sent out a message to John Harper and he said, Pastor John Harper, I was wondering if I could talk you into coming and speaking at Moody Church for a length of time. Come and share and preach. He agreed to come. He and his daughter Nana, a little girl, got on a ship. You may have heard of the ship. It's called the Titanic. Most people know nothing about John Harper's story. I would challenge you to look it up. It's unbelievable. They get on the ship that was supposedly, you know, unable to sink. John Harper and his little girl made their way to the stateroom. They would travel to the United States across the Atlantic Ocean. That was the plan, to come to America to preach there in Chicago, the most prominent church in America at that time. Well, it was on April 15th, you know what happened. An iceberg cut through the bottom of the Titanic. It wasn't long before that ship began to sink. John Harper grabbed his little girl and he took her to a life raft. I'm sure with Nana's arms wrapped around her daddy's neck, said, Daddy, I can't, I can't leave you. I can't leave you. And he said, Yeah, you'll leave me. You've got to get on this boat. And he put her on a lifeboat. John Harper went and got a life jacket, and as the ship went down, he went into the water. John Harper began to swim around with people floating in, and he began to ask this question Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? He began to evangelize those that were in the water from the Titanic. He began to say, Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? He swam up to a man who had no life jacket on, floating there in the ocean. And he looked at him and he said, do you know Jesus? And the man said, no I don't. And he said, then you need this more than I do. And John Harper took off his life jacket and gave it to the man. It was the last words we've ever heard spoken or know of that John Harper spoke. John Harper sank into the ocean and drowned that day. You'd say, wow. Liminal space. Can you imagine? He never dreamed that would happen. He never thought he would be in that position. You said, how do you know that story is true? Years later, they had a reunion of the survivors of the Titanic. The man who was given the life jacket stood up in front of the survivors and told the story how John Harper had asked him if he knew Jesus. And he said, I want the world to know. I, know, I now know Jesus because John Harper introduced me to him and gave me his life jacket. And he shared that story. May I say something to you that may sound absurd, but it wasn't an iceberg that sank the Titanic. It was God. God is still God in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of winter, in the middle of summer, in the middle of your pain, in the mi- whatever you're in the middle of, may I say to you that the hand of God showed up that evening on April 15th. We don't celebrate in our culture because we'd rather make movies that are fictitious and movies that mean nothing about anything else. We don't want to talk about the greatest hero on the Titanic, whose name was John Harper, who spoke eternity into people's lives. May I say to you, he was in the middle of a moment that he could have never dreamed would have ever happened but guess what the hand of God showed up yes it did just like it did in Joseph's life when Joseph said you didn't put me here God did this wow I don't know what you're in the middle of sir but I know this much whatever you're in the middle of you'll want the hand of God in the middle of it may I say to you there's a second component I noticed in these verses that was very powerful to me the grace of God you will need it to get you through your liminal space. Notice, if you will, verse number 11. This is unbelievable to me. Joseph's meeting with his brothers. He said, listen, we've had two years of poverty. We've got five years left to go. Five years where man famine is going to sweep into the entire world. But he said, listen, i got something to tell you, boys. I will provide for you. Huh? Joseph says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm gonna put you up I'm gonna feed you I'm gonna make sure you're good why would he do such a thing I'll tell you why grace grace he was giving them something they didn't deserve somebody asked me one time to define grace for them now I know you guys have experienced my son Isaiah and you're gonna have a hard time believing this but once in a while Isaiah did not behave My wife and I, we are uh, kind of parents that we are, we believe kids are like a canoe. Best steered with a paddle in the rear. So, just a simple scenario. One day when Isaiah literally did something bad. Shocking, I know. And I said to him, that's going to cost you two swats. So, you know, you bend him over and you give him the old speech. It's going to hurt me more than it does you. It never does, but you say it does. And, You give Isaiah the first pop. He cries and looks at you. Now, what do you call that spanking? Well, you call that in a spiritual world judgment. You did wrong, now you receive judgment. But then I looked at Isaiah and I said, listen, you're not going to get the second swat. I'm good with one. What's that called? Nope, that's called mercy. (laughs) Tricked ya. (laughs) See, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. But then I look at Isaiah and I said, Come on, buddy, you know what we're going to do? Jump in my truck. We're going to go get some ice cream. Now, what's ice cream, friend? That's grace, when you get what you don't deserve. And that's where we live in our walk with God. When we come to terms with, wait a minute here, God's been so unbelievably good to us. On our our worst day, God's still amazing. Come on, church. On our worst day, God's still great, isn't he? On our worst day, God is still incredible. And God's grace shows up with the graces of people. And Joseph said, hey, boys, I'm going to take care of you, not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, but because I'm going to give you God's grace because of the grace of God in my life. Friend, the people who ought to be given more grace in the world are God's people because we've been given so much of it. You out there, church? Yeah. There's a third component. I notice in this story the hand of God is what got him through his liminal space. The grace of God, and then there is the love of God. I mean you cannot avoid verse number 15 in the story. And the Bible says, And he, Joseph, kissed his brothers. What? He kissed his brothers. He wept upon them. And after that his brothers talked, you know what that means? They embraced Tears are running down their faces. They were sharing their, their love for each other. Joel said, I love you. My love abounds way beyond anything that you have, could ever do to me or would do to me. Whatever I'm involved with, may I say to you, there is nothing like the love of God. Can I tell you, I don't know what you're in the middle of, but I know this much. God loves you. you say, wait a minute. No, no, wait in a minute. The Bible says he loves you with, with an everlasting love. Check out the book of Psalms. My Bible says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Neither heights nor death. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Good, bad, God loves you. Anybody glad they were celebrating that this morning, that the love of God permeates all of our lives? You betcha. I love the little story about a little girl who was put to bed by her daddy. and she talked, He talked his little girl in, kissed her goodnight. She was sort of a daddy's girl. He went to bed and he knew, man, he hoped she got to sleep quickly because he saw the weather report and a storm was being blown in. She hated storms. They were laying at bed, mom and dad, and all of a sudden, man, he realized this storm's coming in too quick. She's not going to be asleep yet. And all of a sudden, boom, the crashing and bang of thunder and lightning. One seemed like it landed right next to the house. You know those. All of a sudden, he heard the little girl hit the floor. And, man, she was beating feet down the hallway. She was beating me down the hallway. She turned the corner into their room. Daddy sat up just as she leaped into the bed. She wrapped her arms around her daddy, arms and legs, and was holding on, and she's shivering. And He said, baby, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. God's got you. She said, I know that, Daddy, but right now I need somebody with skin. <laughs> Let me help you with something. There are people all around you in liminal space and right now they need somebody with skin. We can talk about the love of God until we're blue in the face. But if we don't live the love of God, how's the love of God go out to people? I'll tell you how the love of God goes out to, the pe- out to people is when people take the love of God to people. You want to give somebody something for Christmas? Love somebody who doesn't deserve to be loved. Love somebody who's made choices that they ought not make. Love somebody who doesn't know the right path. Love somebody. Why? Because God so loved you. You betcha. Liminal space. There is a story of a man who grew up very tough. His mother had him when she was 15. His dad had an addict. He got kicked out of school. First time, fourth grade. In middle school, that man was totally couldn't learn. Didn't have the ability. But it set a drive in his soul. A drive to do things that nobody else would ever do. At the age of seventeen, that man came to know Jesus as his Savior, and that drive ignited something inside of him. And at the age of 30, he became a pastor of a church, a small little church, about 50 adults. And all he wanted to do was watch God do something miraculous. And God did. Not many years went by, and that church began to grow and grow and grow until it reached one of the largest churches in America, top 1%, some over 10,000 members. He co-authored two books, traveled the entire world speaking. 700 times a year. And that man's still not sure exactly what happened. Whether it was pride or ego. But sin got him. And the enemy lied and tricked and deceived. And he lost everything. He thought. Because he'd hurt so many people with his sin, he wanted to die. In the state in which he lived in, if you, if a medical person hears that you want to die and they believe it's credible, they have. They will come and get you. And they came and got that man. They strapped him into a gurney and took him to a mental hospital. State law says you would stay there three days, but if you get there on Friday, the weekends don't count. So he'd be put into a mental hospital for five days. The mental hospital was like anything he's ever been to before, almost. His roommate could not speak. Please know my heart when I tell you the story. It's just what happened. His roommate was so mentally ill that he would urinate on the floor in the bathroom. That man would share a bathroom with that guy. They'd taken his shoes away because there would be no shoelaces in a mental hospital. Why I was in the rental hospital. I remembered as a boy going to see my grandma who lived in the state hospital because she was mentally ill. And the smell of the place was still Entrenched in my nose and mind, the noise. The man in the room next to me would scream and holler all night long. I heard during the day he loved music. He knew all kinds about bands, and I would holler at a band. He would sing songs. It would just help us. I spent three years in liminal space. Three years. Hiding in my guilt, running away because of my shame. May I say to you, if it were not for the hand of God, the grace of God, and the love of God, I would not be able to look in the eye and tell you today my marriage has been restored because of a woman who knows about the grace of God. My family has been redeemed. God is working in a miraculous way. While lying in a mental hospital, I learned how to pray, Pastor. I learned how to read my Bible when I wasn't writing a book or developing a sermon series. I've learned over these three years how to walk with God. May I say to you, the enemy meant it for bad. God will use it for good. The enemy meant it for evil. But God will rise up and use it for good. Joseph taught me that. I don't know what you're in the middle of. I don't know what liminal space you are currently living in. Or what's yet to come for you. But I know this much. If Peter had his... And Jonah had his, and David had his, and I could go on and on and on. You and I will have ours. This morning, I would like to give you an invitation, and you could do with it as you please, and if no one does, it's okay. I, for the first time in three years, feel forgiven. redeemed by a real God and I would like you to know what that feels like and I'd be honored to pray with you personally my wife and I'll wait for you up front if you'd like As a song is played God bless you church